Shalom Aleichem, this is Gavriel Singer. Um, it's very exciting to start off such a big project. Kol HaKavod, um, to all of you guys who are, you know, usually we think about learning Gemara Be'in, and in-depth learning of Gemara is usually limited to the time we spend in Yeshiva, and then we get out of Yeshiva, so then, Baruch Hashem, we keep up our learning, and it really is an unbelievable thing. But to be able to go and take, you know, time out of our schedule, to set aside to learn Gemara in depth is something which is extraordinary. So, to all of you guys for even having, you know, a half a minute to do it. Um, that being said, we're going to be learning the second parak of Sukkah. That's what the issue was starting out with. And uh, it's a very exciting parak. It's very practical in a large sense. It's not just limited to Sukkahs. Even though some of it is, but a lot of it's something which you could uh, extend to everyday life. Just in regards to the style of this year, um, some of you guys were with me last year, but some of you are new to the scene. Um, what I usually do when we learn a Gemara is first I'll just read the Gemara, and I like to ask a lot of questions. And I find that the more questions you can ask and the more points that you realize are not self-understood, and we point them out, we, may, we, we highlight those difficulties, so then the easier time we have to understand what's the push of the Gemara and what's the push of the Rishonim to explain it the way they did and take the steps that they did following each question. And that's what uh, I really want to give you guys a taste of today. Today it's going to be a shorter shear. Um, it's not going to be the normal length. And really what I want to do is just give you a flavor of what's going to be. So we're going to read through the Mishnah. We're going to read through... The, um, a very short piece of the Gemara and maybe uh, the Rashi on the Mishnah and that's it and in Mirz Hashem this should be the beginning of a long period of growth together in our learning in our Navedus Hashem so says the Mishnah mitzvah people who are performing a mitzvah are exempt from sitting in the sukkah a person who is sick or a person who is helping someone who is sick, Pturin Mina Sukha, they're also exempt from the Sukha. And the last case of the Mishnah is that a person's able to have a casual meal, a casually eat or casually drink outside of the Sukha, meaning they can't have a fixed meal, they can't have a set meal, they can have a snack. So asks the Gemara, how do we know, going back on the first case of the Mishnah, that a person who's on the way to perform a mitzvah or is performing a mitzvah currently is exempt from sitting in a sukkah. The Tanu Rabbanan, it was taught in a b'raisa. Secha. While you're sitting in your house, this we say every day, twice a day, at least, in Kriya Shema, that a person is obligated when to do perform mitzvahs when he's sitting in his house. So why does it say you're obligated while you're sitting in your house, it's prat, it's coming to exclude the isik b'mitzvah. That when a person is involved in performance of a mitzvah, he's not obligated to go ahead and perform other mitzvahs. So if a person is a shniach mitzvah, he's going to go perform other mitzvahs, he's exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah. Ay, so the verse continues, the verse in Kriyashma continues that when you're on your path, you're on a way, so you're also exempt from mitzvah. So who's that coming to exempt? Says the Gemara, Prat lechasan. It's coming to exempt a groom. A groom is also exempt from performing mitzvahs. Now, that's the simple read of the Mishnah and the first b'raisa of the Gemara. 
And it seems pretty straightforward. So now I want to pose quite a few questions here. And let's see if this helps us break into the sugya. So number one is that the Mishnah provides three different halachos. The first halacha of the Mishnah is that a person performing a mitzvah or on his way to perform a mitzvah is exempt from sukkah. The next one is a sick person and this caretaker is also exempt from sukkah. And the third one is that a casual meal, a snack, a drink, those you don't, you're not obligated to sit in the sukkah for. But, meaning implying that if it was a, a fixed meal, a set meal, that you would be obligated to sit in a sukkah for. So now, there's three different halachos which are brought in the Mishnah. So the first question I want to propose is, do all of these three share a common principle? Meaning, for sure, they're all exemptions from a sukkah. But is the reason for the exemption shared throughout all three? Do they have a common reason why they're all exempt from sukkah? If they share a common reason, so then why do we need to go ahead and enumerate each case? If I know the, the principle that's behind the exemption, so once that principle is taught in one of the examples, so then I'll, I can apply that principle to every other case. So why teach me three if they're all, shared, if they're all sharing the same principle? So rather what? They're not sharing the same principle. If they're not sharing the same principle and each one is its own unique halacha, so why did the Mishnah couple them together? If each one's its own halacha with its own principle, so then put each one in a separate category. Why are they coupled in the Mishnah? So now, that's the general question on the Mishnah itself. Now, I want to discuss the first case of the Mishnah. The first case of the Mishnah is Shluchim Mitzvah, a person... The literal translation is a person on his way to perform a mitzvah, but like we saw from the Gemara, that the Gemara brings a price of a person who's performing a mitzvah does it's not specific, seemingly not specific. As long as you're performing a mitzvah, you also have an exemption. So the first question is, so what constitutes then a shliach mitzvah? A person's wearing tzitzis, right? He gets dressed in the morning, he puts on a tzitzis. So he's fulfilling a mitzvah deraisa. He has a mitzvah on his door. He's fulfilling a mitzvah deraisa. So now, that exempts him from sitting in a sukkah? So who's, 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 ha- who's chayv to sit in a sukkah? People are performing mitzvahs all the time. So what type of performance of a mitzvah is actually going to go ahead and create this exemption? Now, if we look here, Rashi gives three different examples. Rashi on the Mishnah, in Divra Maschil Shluchei Mitzvah, says... A person who's on the path to go to perform a mitzvah. So Rashi learns that Shluchei Mitzvah is a person who's traveling to perform a mitzvah. Now he gives three examples. Kagon, for example. Lilmod Torah, he's traveling to go and learn Torah. Lahakbil Pnei Rabo, there's a mitzvah, Deraisa, to dispute in the Achronim whether this mitzvah applies nowadays that there's not a Beis HaMikdash. But there's a mitzvah to go ahead and visit your Rebbe during Yom Tif, meaning from the start of the Chag until the end of the Chag, you are able to fulfill that mitzvah. So here we're discussing a person who's traveling during the Chag here of Sukkot in order to greet his Rebbe during the Yom Tif. And the last case is Niftos Shvuyim, to go and redeem captives. So if a person's traveling for any of these three reasons, so then he's exempt from performing the mitzvah of sukkah. Now the fact that Rashi establishes that all three of these cases are on a person traveling to perform the mitzvah, is that dafka not dafka? Is that specific or non-specific? 
Meaning to say, if a person is performing a mitzvah, where he is, he's not traveling. A person's right now busy performing a mitzvah. Is he obligated to go ahead and sit in a sukkah? No, does he have an exemption? We'll see clearly, we saw clearly already from the b'risa, that the implication is that even when he's performing a mitzvah, not traveling. And we'll see later on in the Gemara, the Gemara's which are explicit, that even when they're not traveling, as long as you're performing a mitzvah, so you also have that exemption. So why does Rashi go ahead and qualify that shluchei mitzvah specifically when you're traveling to the mitzvah? The holchei b'derech mitzvah. Why would that be? Now, another difficulty in this Rashi is that Rashi says that a person traveling to go learn Torah is exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah. Now, this is very bothersome because the halacha is if a person's learning Torah, he's actually obligated in sukkah. There's a general rule that a person's obligated to learn Torah unless there's another mitzvah which is incumbent upon him to, incumbent upon him to fill, fulfill that no one else is able to. So if no one else can fulfill the mitzvah of sukkah for him, so inasmuch as no one else can fulfill the mitzvah of sukkah for him, and it's sukkahs, so he's actually, if it's a question of whether to sit in the sukkah or to learn, he's not that so he can't do both of them for whatever reason, so then he should still go ahead and sit in the sukkah. So how could it be that a person traveling to go learn, he's exempt from sukkah, but a person who's actually sitting and learning is not, why would the traveling to perform a mitzvah provide an exemption if the mitzvah you're traveling to do itself doesn't provide an exemption? That's another difficulty here. Now in the next Rashi, Rashi says, One of these people, the shliach mitzvah, one are they exempt from a sukkah? So Rashi says, V'afilu b'shas chanayasan even during the time period of their encampment. Meaning to say that we saw before that when the person's traveling to perform a mitzvah, he attains an exemption from sitting in a sukkah. So fine, he's traveling, he takes a five-minute break to go and eat something, he doesn't have to go ahead and build a sukkah. But now he camped for the night, and he's going to go to sleep, and he's going to be in this location for ten hours. Why, why is he not obligated in sukkah? He's not obligated in sukkah right now. He's not a shliach mitzvah. Right now, he's not walking to perform a mitzvah. Right now, he's not performing a mitzvah at all. He's going to sleep. So if he's not actively performing the mitzvah, why does Rashi say that he goes? He actually has that same exemption during this time period as well? Now, that's going to be our questions on the first part of the Mishnah. The Braisa also discusses the same case, though. It discusses the case of shliach mitzvah. And the Gemara sources it the Braissa sources it with two different psukim. One verse, Beshiftech Avesecha, is a general exemption for anyone that's in the middle of performing a mitzvah. Whereas the next verse, part of the verse, Ovelechtech Avadarech, is coming to exempt the case of a chasen. Now, what is unique about the case of chasen that necessitates its own exemption for him being obligated in mitzvahs? If we know that a person fulfilling a mitzvah is exempt from performing other mitzvahs, so then a chassan is also performing a mitzvah. Right? Or at least it's a dispute in the Rishonim whether getting married is a mitzvah. The Rambam holds it's a positive mitzvah, it's a mitzvah say. So at least according to the opinion of the Rambam, so why would we need to go ahead and say here that a chassan is exempt from other mitzvahs because of osik b'mitzvah patamina mitzvah, He's performing a mitzvah, so let that fall into the first category of Beshiftech Why do we need a special inclusion for the case of Chassan 
when it, that uh, the Torah says another verse, Ovalech Dechavaderech. So those are the initial difficulties that we want to raise in the first part of the Mishnah. Now, I want to raise a few difficulties in the next case, in the case of Chola, and that's how we're going to end it today. Um, so like this. It's the second case in the Mishnah says, a Chola, right, a person who is sick and is caretaker are exempt from Sukkah. So a sick person, I understand why, you know, he's exempt from Sukkah. Because practically, what do you want from him, right? He's not, he's, he's not feeling well. And therefore, the Torah doesn't obligate a person to sit in a sukkah if he's not able to. But why is his caretaker exempt from sukkah? So like this. If you want to tell me that he's exempt from the sukkah while he's actively taking care of him, so then I hear. That makes sense. But then, isn't actively taking care of someone who's sick a mitzvah? That's not a mitzvah itself. There's a mitzvah of gimilus chasadim, v'yahavtad recha kamocha, there's a mitzvah of bikur cholim. So, right, if he's really, really sick, there's a mitzvah of bikur nefesh, but I can't imagine we're talking about that. That would be self-understood. So we're not talking about bikur nefesh, but th- he's performing a mitzvah. So then that should fall back into the first category of shulchei mitzvah. So rather, he's talking about a caretaker who's not actively taking care of the sick person. So if he's not actively taking care of the sick person, so then... What's the nature of his exemption? He's not performing a mitzvah. He's not sick. He's able to go ahead and sit in the mitzvah, and sit in the sukkah. So while he's taking care of him, not. But when he's done, he wants to have a sandwich and eat lunch. So go into the sukkah, have your lunch, and then come back and take care of him. So we have to understand more what's the nature of this exemption of the caretaker. So guys, this, obviously, we're not going to be able to answer all of these questions in one shear. These are things which are going to have to develop during the course of learning the Gemaras and learning the Rishonim. But this is the introduction, this is the breakthrough into the Sugya, trying down to get a grasp on the deeper understanding of what's being conveyed here. And hopefully we're going to have, you know, a whole year together to go ahead and try to get to its deepest understanding, the best understanding that we're able to together. All right, so I look forward to hearing from everyone. If you have any questions, please Feel free to message me whenever you want. And uh, hopefully you'll have the Marmakimus out by Sunday. Have a great Shabbos, everyone.